This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings, listeners, and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. As we are based here in the UK, all times are in GMT. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 19th to the 25th of February. I'm Ezzie Pearson, and I'm joined by Reviews Editor Paul Manny for, I'm very sad to say, the last time. After 17 years with Sky at Night magazine, Paul is going to be going into a very, very well-earned retirement. So we are very sorry to see you go, Paul. I'm sad to go as well, but, uh, you know, all good things, as they say, but uh, I'm looking forward to doing a lot more of my own little projects, doing a few more astronomy talks, etc., and writing more novels. Many of you will know that I, uh, I'm self-published as a novelist now, so uh, I'll be looking forward to doing them. And, of course, listening in to the podcast. Absolutely. Can't miss that. <laughs> exactly. We will be back next week with some new presenters. So don't worry about that. Star Diary will be still going. But, unfortunately, Paul is leaving us. So for one last time, Paul, what do we have to look forward to in this week's night sky? Well, Ezzy, we're starting with the evening sky again. It's nice to finish off with the evening sky <laughs> for the start of our final week. But we're talking about the moon. Now, I like it when the moon's quite close to a star. It doesn't necessarily have to be a very bright star. But in this particular case, on February the 20th, we're looking at it being really close to Upsilon Geminorum. Now, Upsilon sort of forms a triangle with Pollux and sort of Kappa Geminorum. So, you know, it's one of those things that it's, it's a reasonably bright star, but it tends to get overlooked. We tend to forget about it. But again, over the course of the night, you'll be able to watch the moon glide under Upsilon Geminorum. So again, showing the clockwork motion of the solar system itself. Meanwhile, we still have Jupiter and Uranus higher along the ecliptic and viewable for a few more months. That's good news. They're still around for a while. Both lie in Aries. It's funny because we tend to forget about the boundaries of the constellations because the past, it was based on the shape of the actual constellation itself. So Aries, the ram, sort of like Taurus, the bull, Cetus, the whale. Whereas once the International Astronomical Union defined the actual lines and the boundaries of the constellation based on the declination and right ascension or something, it ended up with straight lines. And so rather strangely, although Jupiter looks as if it's closer to Cetus, it's still actually in Aries itself. So there we are. You want to be looking about 7 p.m. high up above the southwestern horizon for both those two planets. But you will need binoculars, of course, to see Uranus. But Uranus is quite easy in binoculars. I mean, it's, you know, it's magnitude uh, seven. Mm. So, you know, it is actually quite easy compared with some objects we've actually looked at before. So, uh, you know, you just need a good star chart. And of course, the guide in Sky at Night magazine as well. 
absolutely. We have a full Sky chart in every month's issue of Sky at Night magazine and a Sky guide telling you through even more things that you can see in the night sky. So do pick that up if you are interested. Now, February the 22nd, we were talking about Venus and Mars last week. And if you really like a challenge and well, this is a challenge, I have to say, you've got to do it before the sun rises. Look around about 6.30 a.m. towards the southeast, slightly to the left of southeast, with an uncluttered horizon. Venus will be the obvious one. It's really bright. You can't mistake Venus. But it's in conjunction with Mars. It's above Mars. So you can use Venus as a guide to get the fainter planet Mars. And because of the bright twilight, Mars will be a bit of a struggle. So this is when you use Venus as a guide to it. After this, you're really going to lose Venus. It's getting very, very low. It's getting right into the bright twilight, heading towards the solar glare. And Mars is trying to draw out away from the solar glare. And it isn't so much Mars is trying to get away from the sun. It's the motion of the sun along the ecliptic, carrying it further away from Mars. But it looks to us as if Mars is trying to climb out of the twilight itself. So about 6.30am towards the southeast, just slightly to the left of it. Venus, much easier to see because it's very bright, very low down, but just below it will be Mars as well. So this is one of the chances to get this nice conjunction. Now, all week, back to the evening sky, we've lost Saturn. Saturn has gone. Sorry, but you had your chance, but it's gone now. And it will take a few months before it emerges back into the morning twilight. Now we say farewell to Neptune this week because it's dropping rapidly. It's funny. It's one of those things that I notice when we get into sort of like February, the twilight seems to be catching up and getting brighter quicker with each passing night. Mm. And it's because the ecliptic is getting steeper. It's much better. It loses the race now, Neptune does, as it moves against the background sky. It's actually in Pisces, so near the circlet of Pisces itself. And so it will be gone by the end of the week because it's a faint planet sort of thing. So, you know, we will actually lose it. So we're looking at February the 22nd just gives you a chance to spot it next to a slightly brighter star. So the star, which is actually 20. Piscium. The star is magnitude 5.5. Neptune's about 7.8. So the star is brighter. It will be the guide this time to Neptune because they're close to each other. It's not often it's that way around, <laughs> that the star is the guide to the planet rather than the planet is the guide to the star. Exactly sort of thing. Normally we're talking about Jupiter and a star, etc. But yes, yes. So it's the star itself. So you'll be able to find Neptune close to 20 Piscium. It is moving past it, so it'll leave it behind. But it will get lost in the bright twilight as well. So on the 22nd, around about 6.30, use binoculars or a small telescope. And so you'll be able to find the star 20 Piscium and the fainter dot to the upper right of it if you're using sort of a telescope that shows a, a proper normal northeast up view. Then you'll see Neptune as well. Magnitude 7.8 as such. Meanwhile, still on the 22nd, very unusual, Callisto passes south of Jupiter. So as you're watching Jupiter, start off site quite early on from about 8pm until Jupiter sets again around about half past 11 to midnight. But we've got an interesting thing. Callisto passes below the planet. So it's missing because of the tilt of the planet. Its orbital plane means it's missing the planet completely and so does its shadow. But in the meantime, we also have Bingo! Io, once again, 
does a transit across the disk. So you've got Io transiting, then followed by Io shadow, and whilst Callisto is passing underneath the planet as well. So they are a triple thing to look out for on the 22nd up till midnight if you use a telescope on the planet itself. Finally, to end the week, the almost full moon, it's not quite full, but almost full moon, lies between the stars Eta Leonis and Regulus. Now, Regulus is the bright primary star, the heart of the lion, Leo the lion. And it's also, they're both part of the sickle of lions. So it looks like a, a sickle or a backwards question mark. I always look at that and think it's a backwards question mark myself. Mm. And the moon will lie between, around about a third of the way from Eta to Regulus. And it's worth bearing in mind sort of thing that although the moon will swamp out most of the fainter stars, you should still make out the actual sickle shape itself. And remember, Regulus is also a double star. It's got an, I think it's an eighth magnitude companion nearby. So you've got a double star and you've got the moon and you've got Eta. And then just to finish it off, Algeba is a beautiful golden yellow binary. Well worth having a look at with a telescope if you've got one. So even in that one moment, you've got a multitude of things to observe. Not deep sky because the moon's full and it'll wash out the faint galaxies that are in this region. But you've got some nice double stars there as well to add to the scene. And of course, if you're looking at the moon, you're going to see the ray patterns of the impact crater, especially Tycho actually spread across the surface of the moon. So uh, in the past, I was always told sort of thing, oh, full moon's the worst time to observe the moon. You want to watch it when it's at a particular phase so you get the sharp shadows. But they completely forgot about the various ray features mm. scattered across the surface. And the certain brightenings around some of the craters that are enhanced when it's almost full moon. So uh, don't ignore full moon. Have a look at it in detail with a telescope as well. It's like with anything, it depends what you're trying to look at. You know, if you're trying to look at the sort of like the undulations of the moon, I suppose, like the craters and things, then yes, shadows are really important to be able to see that. But if you want to, you know, make out some of the colours that are on the moon or the ray craters, things like that, then there's different times. Whenever you look at the moon, you'll get a slightly different view. There's something for everybody, isn't there? Exactly. So look at it all the time and you'll find something different, which I think is one of the reasons why people keep going back to it for... Well, for centuries, really. But it certainly sounds like we've got a lot of really interesting things to look up at the night sky this week. If our listeners at home would like to keep up to date with even more stargazing tips, please do subscribe to the Star Diary podcast. But for now, I'd like to take this opportunity again to say very much thank you, Paul, not just for this episode, but for all of the years of the Star Diary podcast that you have been with us. You've been absolutely brilliant and I hope our listeners at home will miss you as much as I do but thank you very much for joining us for all of this time. Thank you Ezzy you nearly had me in tears then but uh, <laughs> thank you and I hope everybody continues to listen to the Star Diary podcast because it is the best guide to the weekly night sky you'll find anywhere so thank you Ezzy been a pleasure working with you as well and um, onwards and upwards mm -hmm. look out for my next novels. <laughs> <laughs> So to summarise this week again, we start on the 20th of February when the moon is going to be close to Upsilon Geminorum, while Jupiter and Uranus are going to be moving through the constellation of Aries. On the 22nd of February, Venus and Mars are going to be conjunction in the morning twilight. It'll be quite difficult to see Mars though because it will be fairly deep into that twilight. 
That evening, on the 22nd of February, you'll be able to see Neptune near the circlet of Pisces, though it will soon be dropping out of sight, so be sure to catch it now whilst you still can. Also on the 22nd, you'll be able to see Jupiter's moon Callisto pass underneath the planet of Jupiter, while Io and its shadow will both transit across the disk. Then at the end of the week, the moon will lie beneath the stars Italionis and Regulus. The moon is going to be nearly full by the end of this week, so if you want to look out for some ray features, now is a great time. Thank you very much for listening, and once again, a massive thank you to Paul for all of your work throughout the years, and we will be back here with a new presenter next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky this month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for throughout the whole month. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes or neither, our sky guide has got you covered, with detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify. Spotify.